Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. It's a Super Bowl edition of Wesson Walker discussing the Kansas City Chiefs 38-35 to victory over the Philadelphia Eagles in the championship game. Thanks for joining us for the next three hours. We'll be with you alongside, uh, we're going to have Wes, we're going to have Fiddy, Josh Fiddy Marlowe. You can follow us on Twitter at Wesson Walker and you can text us via the Garage Door Guru text line 704-570-9610 because we have tons to discuss. Not only are we going to be talking about the Super Bowl, but the Carolina Panthers this weekend, they just kept making new additions to the coaching staff that has us asking if this is the best Panther coaching staff, at least initially of all time, going into a season with a whole bunch of new hires. Maybe it's hyperbole, but we're at least asking that question. We can debate about it a little bit later on in the show. But at first, we are going to have to discuss watching Pat Mahomes continue this trajectory to possibly reaching the GOAT status at quarterback. Philadelphia, was there a hold on James Bradbury against Juju Smith-Schuster? I say we dive in right now. We pulled up to the scene. Fiddy is the bus driver. Fiddy, open up the doors. Let's get off the bus. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. So we see Pat Mahomes. Not a crazy stat line, to be honest with you. Only 182 passing yards. He had three passing touchdowns, and he had the one big-time rush for 26 yards when it saved them a first down. And at the end, I think we all understand he deserves Super Bowl MVP after they get this victory 38-35 to over Philadelphia. I think that's the major storyline here, Wes. I know a lot of people are going to want to steer this conversation to the call. We'll get to that in a moment. But... I don't want to talk about that first and foremost. The storyline is the fact that we are watching what is possibly the best quarterback in real time of all time. We could be seeing him as he continues to check all of the boxes. He's got two Super Bowl MVPs. He's got two Super Bowl championships. The dude as a starter has never reached anything less than an AFC championship game. This guy is amazing. And watching him take care of another title without Tyreek Hill on a bum ankle. It's crazy to watch this guy play football. A damn pleasure. And we got to see him win another one. We certainly did. And, you know, to your Tyreek Hill comment, you know, that's why I told you the other day, you don't have to have big time receivers to win a Super Bowl. But uh, he came into the season. People doubted what he could do without said receiver. And people thought that the offense was going to be so much different. They just did it in a different way. And he's one of those receivers that I call him a, a lemonade quarterback. You give him the lemons and he's going to make it. He doesn't need four Pro Bowl guys. He doesn't, you know, need a a receiving core like what Philadelphia has with a former Heisman Trophy winner and a a all-pro caliber receiver in A.J. Brown. Like, you give him whoever and he's going to just give him warm bodies and he's going to make it work. Last night's game was spectacular. It was one for the books. That's what you want for the last football game of the season. 
And it was just uh, spectacular. Like you said, the stats aren't jaw-dropping, but he was as efficient as it gets. They scored on every drive in the second half. But big shout-out because a lot of people, some people will, but a lot won't. But the offensive line of the Kansas City Chiefs, both offensive lines were masterful last night. But the Chiefs' offensive line was the key to that football game. Patrick Mahomes hardly got touched unless he ran out of the pocket and got tackled or slid. And that was the difference in the ball game, folks. The fact that this pass rush that had the third most sacks in NFL history did not get a sack, barely pressured him. That is why the offensive line is important, folks. For the novices out there that don't truly know the nuts and bolts of this game, if you don't have one of those caliber offensive lines, you aren't winning anything. You're going to call me out. I'll return the favor. Let's I tried go. to express the offensive line importance in this game, and then you were putting Jalen Hurts as the second best, and he was fantastic. But I wanted to give love to your offensive line. Was he line, not the second best player in the game last night? What about the offensive line? If you want to count win. I'm just telling you. I'm yeah, just no, telling the, you the offensive line was super was important, but come on now. The quarterbacks. Jalen Hurts was you incredible. You put Joe Blow back there, quarterback, and getting blown out. <laughs> Jalen Hurts was not <laughs> Joe Blow. He was absolutely amazing. And it's why Kansas City needed to be extremely efficient in the second half. They yeah. go into the locker room. Kansas City is down 24 to 14. Yeah. And while I always have faith that Kansas City can come back, ever since they had that game where they were down, what, 28 nothing against Houston a couple of years ago, I never think Kansas City is out of a contest. And this game was no different. But Philadelphia, they were dominating offensively. The only time that you yeah. felt good about Kansas City's defense was Jalen Hurts just fumbling the football and it felt like the turf monster, which was very real in this game. Awful playing conditions. But Jalen Hurts just lost the football. Kansas City able to score a touchdown. That was it. And so Jalen, because he was so good, not only throwing the football, also rushing the football, Pat Mahomes and that offense needed to be as efficient as possible. And that's exactly what happened. The only incompletion was a throwaway out of the back of the end zone in the second half. And the only reason they settled for a field goal was so they could kill time. And Jarek McKinnon slid when he was at the two-yard line. That's how crazy good that that Chiefs offense was operating. And you watch Pat Mahomes, this Kansas City Chiefs offense, go into the second half. They were incredible. Here's Andy Reid talking about how they were able to rally. We were able to get the run game going a little bit. I, I thought the offensive line did a nice job of stepping up. Pacheco, uh, McKin McKinnon, I mean, ran hard, uh, all following Pat Mahomes' lead, um, just with that intestinal fortitude that he showed. My X Factor, Isaiah Pacheco. He was great. No, he was he, big time, man. He, he runs so hard and tough. He was fantastic and 15 carries, 76 yards for Isaiah Pacheco. And I did think Jarek McKinnon was also good. Only four carries, 34 yards for him, but also yeah, but Jarek. a healthy eight and a, half, eight and a half a pop. Absolutely, 100%. Also three receptions for 15 for Jarek McKinnon. And I think that's the thing, right? As we talk about Tyreek Hill not being here for Kansas City, you could see Travis Kelsey at the end of this game, and Travis always was going to pop off. We saw it at the end of the Bengals game. We saw it at the end of the Super Bowl. The dude is emotional. I'm fine all with all of it. I'm fine with it. But the narrative about how nobody believed in us, okay. Uh, okay. okay, there were some doubters, fine. But come on. He said he was very adamant uh -huh. in, in front of the camera to say, not no one, nobody picked us, not one person. I'm like, you know, the majority of true. analysts, from what I saw, though, were picking Philly. 
Well, we did have the Fox crew. They all went with that's the what Eagles. I'm saying. And I think that's what he was talking about. But you and I picked Kansas City. We did. At least we at, believe. At least at my Super Bowl party. <laughs> I don't know what everybody else was doing at yeah. their Super Bowl parties, but mine, everybody except for one or two, was going with Philadelphia, or it was going with Kansas City. I should say. Excuse me. So you can see plenty of NFL pundits out there. I just it was strong. But regardless, go off, Travis. But I think this go is the end. Chip. I think this is the end of that. Of Kansas City's run? No, no, no. The end of people betting against Patrick Mahomes. I think this is it. Yeah, it was in the middle. It, it was a, it was a awesome weapon that they lost. Right, yeah. Tyreek Hill wanted out and wanted more money, I should say. And Kansas City decided, okay, we'll get all of the picks and send them Miami's yeah. way. And Tyreek Hill had a monster year yeah. with the Dolphins and went nowhere. And the Miami Dolphins made the playoffs, and that was about it. Right. They, they stopped pretty quickly once they got to the postseason, <laughs> and then Kansas City. Because you have that man, Pat Mahomes, yeah. and the coach and Andy Reid. I mean, I mean the red zone, phenomenal. the red zone scheming was off the chain. Andy Reid is amazing. I mean, and, and this is and Bianami. Oh yeah, Bianami was great too. No, I'm not getting on you. I'm yeah. just saying that nobody has been talking about him like that either. He deserves credit. For it. Well, and apparently Pat Mahomes gave Bianami credit afterwards, saying Jarek McKinnon that run call. They had Jer- there was an uh, there was an emphasis on hey do not score and so Jarek did not yes, when he got to the two yard smart. and then you have the nine yard run I believe is what it ended up being and so Eric Bieniemy got credit for that Pat Mahomes was praising him alongside Andy Reid but this is exactly why I wanted Kansas City to win right I would have been very happy if Jalen Hurts won because that story is incredible to get benched in a college championship game and then to play as well as you did in a Super Bowl to have that come up story. It doesn't get much better than that. So I would have been cool with it. But I want to see Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid get close to Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. That is our hope. If you hate those guys, if you football hate those guys, as a lot of Panthers fans do, as a lot of Colts fans do, as a lot of NFL fans do, period, whatever. Tom Brady had a rivalry with your team, most likely. (laughs) Like you hated that guy. This is your hope right here. It's Pat Mahomes having not reached anything less than an AFC championship game, making three Super Bowls, winning two of them. Andy Reid, I'm just glad that that guy who has adapted offenses for over 20 years to be incredible and towards the top of the league every single season with players that would allow you to reach those types of pinnacles. I'm glad that you have multiple championships. I believe one of 13 NFL coaches now to have multiple championships. I'm glad that those guys are on a positive trajectory to where you can't really mess with them like that anymore. And not only that, their front office has made shrewd moves. They go out and get guys that aren't necessarily going to be guys that you're like, wow, that's going to be the difference maker. But look at what Kadarius Tony did last night. The big punt return. That was ginormous. An awful punt, too, by the way. Yeah, like that was a ginormous to, yeah. play. Like That looked like a high school play as far as how he was able to cut back across the field. Uh, you look at him. Uh, Juju made a couple of contributions, but uh, it's somebody else that slipped in my mind that had a big impact on that game. Well, you had one incredible play to Sky Moore. He was wide open, but it was it was a nice route. It was a nice play design. And Travis Kelsey in the first quarter is the guy that was doing the most damage as far as a pass catcher goes. So those were a lot of the players that you were looking at. Batson had a couple of receptions, or excuse me, um, Justin Watson, not Batson. But yeah, you've seen a lot of these guys step up. And here's another thing. We've seen Valdez Scantling step up for this team already in this run and didn't have any reception. Didn't make a catch, yeah. Right. And I think there was the one there was probably one maybe miss from Pat Mahomes in this game. And I think it was Valdez Scantling yeah. going up the left side of the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and, and Greg Olson was talking about it too. That's like 
you just don't know what the route is supposed to be. Is Scantling supposed to run that outside because it seemed like Mahomes was was asking for him to do that? Anyways, if you want to call that a miss, fine. There wasn't many from Pat Mahomes in this game. No, there was not at all. The quarterback play was all that on both sides. Both guys played fantastic. Um, it just came down to Kansas City basically getting the ball last in theory because mm-hmm. once they got it with I believe it was three minutes I knew they were going to play clock and try to run it down as much as they could you had the call that extended the drive and enabled them to be able to milk it all the way to the end and, and kick the field goal and leave uh, Philadelphia virtually no time left to do anything maybe we continue this because there's a lot of Super Bowl storylines to get to and so maybe we can continue this and the in call the was segment. legit it was legit. Well, that's what I want to say for the next segment because I think there's <laughs> enough to talk about there. But what I was going to ask you is, how do you view Andy Reid in the Pantheon? Because it's an interesting career, right? Mm-hmm. Crazy offensive mind. Gets ran out of Philadelphia because he couldn't win the big one. But also was a very good coach there. Making the NFC Championship constantly. You know, Finally getting to the Super Bowl, you lose and you fall victim to what other teams have with Adam Vinatieri hitting a game-winning field goal. Now he has his couple of championships. Where do you put Andy Reid on the all-time coaching list now that he does have multiple Uh, I think he's up there. I would really have to look at it, but I think just off the top of my head, he's etched himself into, I would say, probably the top ten. Maybe five. Because you look at it now, when he went to five NFC Championship games in Philadelphia, uh, was it five straight? Yeah, yeah. One Super Bowl there. Then he's been to five in Kansas City, so that's ten conference championship games. That's four Super Bowls, Mm -hmm. and he's won two. Not to mention, he's a innovative offensive play caller. At every uh, step of the way, which yeah. is my point. That, yeah. That's my biggest thing. Yeah, so is that, I would I would put him up there. For um, sure, I'd say top five. And, and just real quickly, from Andy Reid himself, at the age of 64, with the little rumblings about him possibly retiring, he said, no, that's not any part of his plan. I look in the mirror and I'm old. Um, I, my, my heart, though, is young. I mean, I still enjoy doing what I'm doing. I got asked that 50 times here. And finally, I just go, whatever, man. You know, whatever. And that's a, that's a good friend. Jay Glazer's a good friend. So, I mean, he... He's probably telling me to get my tail out. I'm too old, but um, I, I'm good with what I'm doing right now. So Yeah, I mean, we see coaches all the time, coach to their 70s. I, I, it's too premature for me. Why in the hell would you hang it up with that guy as exactly. your quarterback? Why? Exactly. That's Espe- what I'm saying. Okay, yeah, you got the cheat code. And you yourself are a cheat code with your offensive prowess. So, yeah, I don't think he's going to be hanging him up anytime soon. Let's talk a little bit more about the call that did take place at the end of this game. And then we'll get into some Carolina Panther coaching conversation a little bit later on. It's Wesson Walker off and rolling. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's Wesson Walker on 
Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We're going to get to some of your texts now. You can text us, the Garage Door Guru text line. Oh. The number is 704-570-9610. Sooner Mike wrote in. Chiefs fan. However, Jalen Hurts had a hell of a game. That from Sooner Mike, who got to see him play a little bit of college football, no doubt about it. 704 number wrote in that the Eagles secondary was bad. The whole defense not performing well, certainly in the second half. Blue wrote in, I think more credit needs to go to Andy Reid as well. We've been giving him some credit in the first segment. And then Casey Steve wrote in, Eric Bieniemy should stay in Kansas City and take over when Reid hangs it up. So that's up to Eric Bieniemy at this point. If he wants to stick around long enough, if Andy Reid is going to retire, but we know that there are reports about Eric Bieniemy possibly going to Washington, and maybe he just needs to get out of Kansas City if he really wants a head coaching job, if that would have any bearing on him getting a head coaching job. But so many people give that credit to Andy Reid only, so you wonder if Eric feels like his only shot is going to a different team. So that's yeah. going to be up to him. Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense for him to do that, but it also makes a lot of sense for him to stay because I think Andy Reid will probably coach a couple of more seasons and then probably hang it up, and then he could be there. Uh, with the owners and with the GM that knows him inside and out that probably would give him that opportunity. So I want to get to the end of this game, too, because I knew a big storyline was going to be surrounding the officials and the holding call on James Bradbury, where Juju Smith-Schuster, he goes with a whip route, and as soon as he gets out of his break, I mean, Wes, I saw the hold, too, to be honest with you. Like, I looked at it, and then in real time, it looked like his momentum was stopped a little bit. Mm -hmm. And James Bradbury, after the game, said he held him, and he was hoping that the refs wouldn't call it. And when James Bradbury gave you that comment, that took a lot of the steam out of people saying, one, you know, the rigged conversation as we've had fun with, with the scripts and stuff, but yeah. really more football. so. It really, James Bradbury having that comment took a lot of the steam out of people wanting that to be the storyline. Because it's not the storyline to me. It was a 50-50 call. A little weak, I guess. But it was a hold. And James Bradbury, as soon as he grabbed the jersey, he left that into the official's hands on whether he wanted that to be called or not. That was always going to be a risk. Not only do I think that, Dominique Foxworth also on ESPN talked about um, what he thought about that uh, penalty. I think it was the right call. I mean, I want to pretend like it wasn't a hold or say whatever I can say. I, I'm, I'm normally on the defensive back side, but James Bradbury, the guy who the call was or the play was called against, he's not even on his side. He said it was a hold because it was a hold. And I think a lot of people believe that the route was meant to be that kind of wheel route. That was an adjustment. The reason why that Juju was running that wheel route was because James held him coming out of that whip route. And that whip route was the same one they scored both of those touchdowns on, and the Eagles didn't really have an answer for it. Their answer was to put Bradbury in press. He put his eyes in the backfield. And he grabs him. You can see it just slows down Juju just enough to make it really difficult for him to get out of it. I saw it. Pat Mahomes, it'd be different, too, to me if they weren't calling for it immediately, right? Like, I know Kansas City clearly in the business of what is best for Kansas City. Same thing for Philadelphia. But you did see Pat Mahomes calling for it as soon as he threw it. Sometimes quarterbacks will even throw the direction of the penalty to bring attention to it and to show 
how much bearing, how much impact it had on that potential route. I thought it was a fine call as we started to see better angles of it. What did you think of the call? on? Yeah, I agreed 100%. I'm sick of all these people crying, talking about it's not. What a way to end the game. Like, are you kidding me? If this was your team and it happened to your receiver and you got the call your way, you would not be saying this. If it happened to your receiver on your team and they didn't call it, you would be crying saying that they should have called this. This was a hold. You can look at it and see it clearly. James Bradbury admitted it, but you can see it with your own eyes. They call this stuff all the time. Then you want to say it's uncatchable. But I watch a lot of games where balls are uncatchable, and they still call passing interference. Philadelphia has benefited from a lot of calls along the way during this run. Every team that makes it to this level is going to benefit from calls. But that was a blatant hold. You could see it. I didn't even think it was weak. And then, like I said, for Olsen to say, oh, you can't make that call in that spot, give me a break. Mm. If that was him and he was out there and that happened to him, the first thing he would have done was turn around to the referee. Did you see that? Mm -hmm. Did you see that? I got held. So it's like, come on, man. Give me a break. Well, Simon Says wrote in, did you see Bradbury's reaction to the penalty? He sure didn't look like he agreed with it. I mean, at the end of the game. He, yeah, because you, you knew that had lost the game for you. Well, and kudos to JB, to be honest with you. I mean, the fact that he said, I did it. I was hoping the refs wouldn't call it, but it is what it is. That's how it happens, right? Like. The excuse that everybody will roll with, too, and often you hear it in the trenches. You hear offensive linemen, this comment pertaining to them more than any, that you could call holding on any play. Mm -hmm. Okay, if it's blatant enough, and maybe it's not, maybe blatant is the wrong word, but if it's visible enough, then you leave it into the official's hands on whether they're going to call it or not. Like, at, at some point, maybe they're not consistent. Maybe they haven't called it all game. Maybe they don't call it every single time. Maybe they miss it. But if you did it, then that's the risk that you have. And Bradbury, a really good corner in this league. There's no doubt. Mm -hmm. But against Juju in that moment, I thought he slowed him up just a bit. And even with the whole catchable pass thing, I think when your momentum is stopped that much, people forget, even with Juju, who is not like the explosive speedy receiver, man, these dudes are crazy athletes to the point where they can catch up with the football a little bit faster than you think when you overthrow it, right? And, and I wonder... Pat Mahomes had a little bit of pressure on that play, if I'm not mistaken, one of the few times that he was. And so while he's trying to wait for that whip route, wheel route, whatever Dominique Foxworth was talking about it after he made the adjustment, trying to make that develop a little bit, he tried to put some air under it to where maybe Juju would be able to get to it. You know, so I thought it was a fine call. I don't think it's one of these egregious, oh, goodness gracious, we had the championship decided by the officials and they took it away from Philadelphia. Right. Even if it... Even if they don't call it right, it's still going to be an uphill climb for Philadelphia to win the Super Bowl. And so if you want to call it weak, whatever, fine. I can even understand it to some degree. But let's not have this be the number one storyline where the quarterback that we just saw win it. We could be talking about him as the GOAT when it's all said and done. And we're getting to experience this real time. Yeah, and you have to appreciate it. And this is a guy that a lot of people, you know, after Michael Jordan left basketball, and people said, well, who's going to be the next guy? And when Tom Brady's leaving now, fortunately for the NFL, they have the next guy. They don't have to sit and wonder who it's going to be. Like, they've got their next franchise NFL, the Shields signal call at this point in Patrick Mahomes. He looks to be ahead of everyone else. I'm sure they're going to be right up there for Super Bowl odds. I did not look at them 
uh, right after the game because I normally like to do that to see the Super Bowl odds for next season. But I'm sure the Chiefs are probably right there, if not number one, to repeat uh, again next season. So it's been, you know, like you said, just a magical run for him thus far. It'll be interesting to see what the future has to hold for him and his career because he's off to one hell of a start. Well, and, and last thing on this before we go to some Panthers coaching staff conversation, somebody wrote in, and I agree, I actually think in a game that had a lot of tough calls, I think the officials got most of them right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like with Devontae Smith, that one was tough. I, honestly, that's as tough a uh, catch call I've had right, that I've seen oh, in, in yeah. quite some time. That one, that one could have gone 50-50. And I guess Devontae Smith not having it caught. I think the angle they showed at the end where it started to move, I think they made the right call uh, going into the defense of Devontae Smith. I thought Dallas Goddard. Yeah, I thought that was not a catch. I don't know Devontae, how they, No, Goddard. Goddard. I thought his foot was barely down. Because I thought that when he finally did get control, because like they said, he double caught it. And I thought by the time he got possession, he got the one foot in and then knocked out of bounds. What do you think, Fitting? The thing with the Goddard catch was that his hand came completely off the ball. So when he reestablished control of the ball, he was out of bounds. Yeah, that's I, what I thought. I, th- I thought the I thought the toe drag was there because I know what you're talking about. It bounces off his helmet and then he doesn't have possession. And then it's a close call. But when he caught it and was going down. Once he had possession and he got the one foot in. So did he drag it once he got that one foot in right before he I got drove yes. on the sideline? Yes. Is that, that what you're saying? That's what I think. Now, I'm sure there are going to be people looking it up. But when I was watching it real time, because we're all paying attention, I thought that was a catch and I thought that was a good call. But here's the thing. Even if it wasn't right, it kind of evens out when you give Philadelphia one catch in a big moment and you don't give Philadelphia a catch in another big moment, right? Like if it both 50, 50 Philadelphia gets it spread, gets it split down in half, you know? So I, I did not watch this game and think the officials had a huge bearing on it with their missed calls or correct calls. I thought like, that's what I hate too. At the, I I hate talking about officials at the end of these big moments because it takes away from other awesome storylines. And I don't think, Anything like that should be happening surrounding this Super Bowl. Yeah, you shouldn't put the game in the officials' hands anyway. Like I said, Philadelphia had chances to close out. So right or wrong, no matter what you think of the call, you should have closed Kansas City out when you had the chance. Don't give up a touchdown coming out of the half because that was a huge turning point of the game. Don't let Kansas City score on every possession of the second half, and then you don't have to worry about it. Okay, now here was another one, too. I actually agree with this text. Jackson wrote in, Miles Sanders won 10,000% fumbled on that incomplete pass. Again, it's really tough because of the letter of the rule, but it's absolutely a catch, right? Like, if the defender's not there, then he's running upfield, but he was. There is a catch for a split second, and so that's more of a rule translation But you have to be able to he didn't make a football move. See, though. I think he squared up. You know, like because I thought as soon as he caught it, he got the two feet down, and then as soon as he turned, it was like bang. He didn't even get a chance to turn around. And so I do laugh, and I've laughed for a long time at the whole football move terminology mm-hmm. yeah. because to me, I think grabbing it and then squaring up with the defender is somewhat translated into a football move sometimes. Like so that one, that one was tough. I agree. I think that one should have been a fumble, but I'm not up in arms about it because that was another 50-50. There were a lot of really, really tight situations with yeah. some of those calls. Yeah, and I mean, so Philadelphia fans, you know, just got to hold that L. We smoking that Sirianni pack. <laughs> did you see, Jax? <laughs> did you see Pop Mahomes after the game in the tunnel? So we've seen him twice now. After Cincinnati, we saw him saying we smoking on that Burrow pack. Mm-hmm. Okay? And then in this one, 
He said, "We smoking them Philly blunts tonight." <laughs> if you want to talk about it, if you want to talk about a national treasure, that man Mahomes, his pop is a national treasure. And this is a guy played baseball. Was you had to be a real big baseball fan to know who he was. I mean, he wasn't some dude hey, that yeah, was yeah, easy now. He's a former Met. No, I, well, I know. I'm, I'm, hold on. I'm telling you, it's not like you had to be this diehard baseball fan, but he's not the all-star on a team, right? Like, you don't have, you're not a casual fan to know who he is, whatever. But the fact that he has had this resurrection because Pat Mahomes here is a star QB, and we're getting to see what he's like off of the field, what he's like around Pat Mahomes himself, which, by the way, very different what you're hearing from Mahomes after these press conferences. I love every second of it. Yeah, it's pretty cool, and uh, I like seeing him, of course, on the bus after the game with the WWE uh, championship. <laughs> that was dope. It's it's amazing. It's amazing yeah. watching what his dad is about, and then also the difference swag in Pat Mahomes. Daddy, he's he's <laughs> he's swag daddy, no yeah. doubt about it. That's a nickname we could give him, and so is Travis Kelsey too. Like, oh what, yeah. What did you what did you make of Travis Kelsey acting the way he did after? Because it's not like we could be surprised about Travis Kelsey. Yeah, I mean you love it. You like to hear the raw emotion from these players. You like to know what they really think, and that's what they really think. Uh, he backs it up on the field as well. He's a guy that, as a coach, you can't get upset with really anything he says because you know that he's going to bring it. Um, he is a guy that cares about the game deeply, plays the game the right way. He plays it, you know, he plays his butt off. He's going to give you 150 every time he comes out there, man. And, you know, he had a he had a big game. He didn't have a monster game, but he still had a big game and was there for his team when they needed him. And it was great. All right. Around the room before we go to break, because I look, Super Bowl conversation, it's fine. We're going to give some love to the championship game in two segments, and then we'll move on to some Carolina talk because they were busy over the weekend as they made some new hires. We'll get to that in a moment as well. But Fiddy just put the odds to win next year's Super Bowl in the group chat. So let's go around the room. Kansas City, they are the favorite at plus 600. The right. Bills are the second favorite at plus 850. Eagles third, 49ers four, Bengals five. And then we'll include Cowboys there at six because that's Fiddy's favorite team. Which one of those bets do you like the best? Chiefs 1, Bills 2, Eagles 3, 49ers 4, Bengals 5, Cowboys 6. I mean, you already know which one I like. I do. Come on now. If, if, you, were, if you were banned from well, betting on take San the Francisco. Bills out. Take the Bills out. Okay. Like, I'm not saying that the Bills are, you know, not worthy. But, I mean, choke artists, and I just get tired of it. They can't run the ball. And Josh Allen, like I said, he always makes critical mistakes. So the Bills should not be too. But if I had to bet on another team in this group, I mean, I'm going to take the easy route and go with Kansas City. It's it's a big year for Buffalo for a lot of different figures. Mm -hmm. Josh Allen, Sean McDermott, lots of different figures over there, especially after losing Brian Dable and that offense doesn't look as good, right? It's a huge year. Fiddy, what do you think out of uh, all those favorites? You haven't had a repeat champion in the NFL since the Patriots in the early 2000s. I'm a Joe Burrow guy. I'd put my money on the Bengals to get back to the Super Bowl and get the job done. Well, especially this T. Higgins conversation is a little weird about them possibly moving off from him, but a lot of people have also you know, combated that and said, don't buy it. They're going to pay T Higgins. They're going to pay Jamar chase. They're going to give him about that. both to Joe Burrow. I think they will. I think they'll keep That's that a lot true. of money to pay two receivers, man. But, but look, and I know we had our conversation. You say Tyree kill. I tell you what, if but, they pay both of them, that'd be the dumbest thing they do. Oh, wow. I'll tell you that right now. You don't pay two receivers that much money. We just saw a team win a Super Bowl with no big receiver. Why would you pay two of them top money? If, Okay. Because Joe Burrow it, needs them. If, if, yeah, right. If you have Pat Mahomes, then you can get away with that stuff. 
And they also have one of the best tight ends of all time in Travis Kelsey. And so okay. it's still an awesome number one option. And plus, on the other side, man, Philadelphia just had two awesome receivers. And that absolutely had a huge effect on this season. Yeah, but you have, if you're Cincinnati, you got pass rushes that are among the elite that you need to pay. You have They didn't um, show up this year in the Super Bowl. They didn't, but still, they're a more key part than those two receivers. If you pay, two, Super Bowl. If you pay two receivers top-notch money, you are a dumb franchise and will not last long. Clown show. <laughs> okay. And on that note, we'll go to the first Fitty Flash of the day. What you got for us, Fitty? Well, guys, we're going to keep it talking Super Bowl 57 because the Chiefs and the Eagles both played on a natural grass surface that the league spent $800,000 on. Yet after the game, many players complained about the surface saying it was too slick. We saw Hassan Reddick slip and slide. We saw Pat Mahomes slip and slide. What did you guys make of the playing surface? And does the NFL have an on-field gas problem? Because they have an off-field gas problem, if you know what I mean. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I do. Um, It's embarrassing. It's nothing short of embarrassing. Watching that where it's visible to the casual fans that are going to be tuning in, to the people that aren't even fans because they want to do the social event thing and watch the Super Bowl, and they see the field look rough. Even Jalen Hurts, by the way, who was throwing deep passes to AJ. Brown and even Devontae Smith down the sideline, that Hail Mary attempt was god-awful. I mean, that wasn't given a shot to anybody, and then I think he said after the game that Jalen Jalen said he lost his footing on the turf and that he, he wasn't had able multiple to drive. pairs of cleats on the side because you can see yeah. those custom Jordan He's, cleats that he had on the sideline. Yeah, no, it's nothing short of embarrassing to have that field where all eyes are on it, and then it's reported that you spent short of a mil on that field. Yeah, I mean, it's brutal, and they have to fix it. Yeah, I don't understand that either, how you can study this stuff, do research, get all these facts and stats about a surface and then put it out there and it's just trash so like you said it was embarrassing guys were slipping all night terrible all right not only are we going to be talking about the super bowl we have a lot of college basketball conversation to discuss carolina took care of business in a big way against clemson over the weekend we did have some more officiating controversy against duke and virginia did the players only meeting for the tar heels though did that thing work after their beat down at clemson we'll get to that in the campus corner sports radio 92.7 wfnz McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Wes and Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. You just call me a wuss? It's the what? Yeah, right. That's what I did. You got it. (laughs) (laughs) Hit us up on the Garage Door Guru text line 704-570-9610. 
Hit us up on Twitter, Wesson Walker, W-E-S-A-N-D-W-A-L-K-E-R. Get us to 1K followers, people. Hit that follow button. We are now going to the campus. Kona. Let's go. All right. Oh, we got the good college basketball music today. Very fitting because we're going to talk about Carolina's dominance. Over the Clemson Tigers, they had the players-only meeting. You saw R.J. and Caleb giving handshakes pregame, saying everything that was being said about them was fake news. So what do we think about the Tar Heels' performance on Saturday? Did it work? Are they now primed? The the players-only meetings, I mean. Did it work? Are they now primed and ready? For the home stretch. Fiddy, I, I, I need to address that Fiddy is just throwing the entire soundboard at us right, right now. <laughs> he's just, I think he fell onto the soundboard, and now there's a delay of each soundbite coming at us. The fact that you had something for Wuss that included Wuss, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I think so. The North Carolina player meeting worked. I mean, here, And here's the reason. Could you ask for anything truly better than what you got? You got a 20-point win at home against Clemson, a good ACC basketball team this year. You also got a good Caleb Love game. That's exactly what you wanted. You got Armando giving you a double-double because that's what he does, 19-11. and R.J. Davis at least shot well from three, if not all that well inside the three-point line, but he was fine there. 17 points, 5 of 12 overall, 4 of 10 from the three-point range. And so actually, I mean, he only took two shots inside the three-point line. Yeah, man, I think this is exactly what you wanted if you're Carolina. Plus, Leaky Black defensively, Hubert Davis made sure to give him a shout on that end of the floor. Carolina fan, what'd you think, man? Like, this is about as good as you could ask for, to be honest with you, given the struggles they had coming into this game. It was the most complete performance we've seen from them all season long against a team that did enter, leading the ACC at 10-3 and overall. I was just so proud of the way this team responded. Because as a Carolina fan, there was a little doubt that this team had quit. And Saturday reminded us of their true potential. Because when they played the way they played on Saturday, they can play with anybody in the country. And so now the challenge and the goal was to build on that tonight against a very good Miami team. But Saturday just felt good for Tar Heel Nation to breathe a sigh of relief after a disappointing loss to Wes's Deeks on Tuesday. Yeah, Carolina had a lot of great omens in this game. They're 7-0 this season when shooting 35% or better from three. They shot 45.5%. We talked about Caleb Love and what he did. 7 of 12 from the floor, very efficient. 6 of 9 from three. Tied a career high with those six three-pointers. They're 20-3 and three in three seasons when he scores 20 points or more. And Leaky Black was a game-high plus-minus. He had a plus 25 on the afternoon. But I, I said the same thing. I thought that the players-only meeting where guys got a chance to get their feelings out, I thought would help them. This team still has a lot of talent, and it just came down to them deciding that they want to show that. Now, we're going to find out tonight, though. Tonight is another... Big test, quick turnaround against a smoking hot opponent in the Miami Hurricanes. So this is going to be another one for us to see just how far uh, they've come. So let's move on, though. Duke and Virginia. Okay, I did the highlights for this game for the ACCDN that you can check out on all platforms. Controversial ending. In my opinion, I said it was the most egregious end of game call that I've seen since I've been watching ACC basketball. Uh, you know, for those who don't know, Filipowski went to the rack, 
got mugged. <laughs> wow. I haven't heard that in a while. Uh, when you get knocked to the ground, when you're seven feet and you go to the rack as hard as Filipowski does, you got mugged because Filipowski's not a guy that you're going to uh, give him a nudge and he's going to go to the ground. Like you got to knock Filipowski onto the ground. And then the refs come back even after reviewing the call and decided to say that uh, that foul happened after the clock expired was just absolutely uh, ludicrous. But they lost. The Blue Devils have lost consecutive games for the first time this season. They're now 6-1 and one following a loss. Even though they out-rebounded Virginia, they had an advantage in second-chance scoring. And Kyle Filipowski that we talked about went scoreless in the game. Virginia had 42 points in the paint, 20 points off of 22 Duke turnovers. What do we think about this game? What does it say about Duke? What do we think about this end-of-game call to start things off? Well, it is absolutely deflating that they didn't get the win when you were so close. And it is a huge contest for them to be able to go to Virginia and possibly steal a win away from a team that was ranked top 10 in the country. And then you don't get the foul call at the end. And it was a foul call to me. I thought it was a bad no call. But here's the thing. It's something that there's been a lot of evidence and opportunities for me to display how I feel about the whole officiating stuff, Mm -hmm. but I'm never going to blame officials for a team losing a basketball game. I'm just not. It was an egregious no call, no doubt about it, but at the same time, there are plenty of plays that could happen during the course of the game outside of the final 10 seconds, and also, Duke didn't do anything in overtime. They got outscored 11-4, and so they got five extra minutes to play, and they scored four points, and Virginia's scored 11 and eventually they fell 69 to 62 absolutely i'm not about uh, to be here saying that this was a correct call the acc themselves said that it was uh an incorrect no call that there should have been a foul on virginia going against kyle filipowski at the same time i'm not about to sit here and tell you that that is the reason why duke lost this game there were plenty of other opportunities and they didn't capitalize on it uh now that i disagree with you in that sense because i'm with you as well i don't like to put games on a but in this case, at the end of the game, when you have a clear foul and they blew that so bad and all he has to do is make one free throw and the game is over with, uh, that was just really poor. But let's see what uh, John Shire had to say about that. Fitty, play it. <laughs> well, they told me after the fact that the call was made after the buzzer. And you can see the, the ball left his hands before point zero. So I, um, I don't know if... I don't know exactly what the rule is. You know, I, I would like to get some clarification, understand, uh, but the call is made, so I don't know how the call can be taken away. But again, I'm not, I just would like clarity. If I'm a Duke fan, I don't really like that response from him because we know one Michael, Coach K, Krzyzewski, would not have been here for it. He would have went off took the fine and told them where they could go with it because that was an awful call. He should have been way more irate about that call than that. But what do we think about Shia's response? Yeah, I don't have a problem with it. He just wants to be under, he just wants a better explanation than he got at that time where they were talking about it being after the actual uh, time was all the way off and, and it's not true, right? Like you can see pretty clearly the foul is committed yes. before you see the time dwindle off and so I can understand that John Shire is going to still want some type of understanding here. You're right, like Coach K would be a lot angrier here 
but you're not Coach K. So I, I don't know if I have any problem with him not going off on the officials in that way. I still think that he got his point across with the content of the message that he said. Well, I would expect that from you. Hey, I'm the, I'm the, I'm not the one being soft. <laughs> I, think, I think for me, the fact that I'm telling you that Duke had another five minutes to take care of business and not giving them the Very excuse true. of losing this game. Very true. I'm being soft in this one. Very true. Hey, and, I, and, I could say, and I could say in the second half, I mean, not in the second half, but in overtime, you decide to take that out on them, your anger for the nine call. So I'm with you 100% on that. So when we come back, though, we're going to talk about some of the Panthers' new hires. We heard Josh McCowns had some very glowing comments about C.J. Stroud. We'll talk about that next. It's the Wes and Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Dead gum.